Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show while you're at it at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating and a comment as well. Once we get 50 reviews, I'm going to be hosting a pretty cool Leafs-related giveaway. So get those reviews in and let's win some prizes. All right, a little bit of a different show today, what we're actually going to do. Um, myself, along with Sean Woodley and AJ Andrews, the host of Locked On Raptors and Locked On Jays, um, respectively, we kind of did a Toronto sports roundtable where we kind of discussed what's going on in each of our sports and in each of our teams, and we all just kind of banded together to discuss what is going to be happening over the next little bit within Toronto sports. So it was a really cool, really, really fun and engaging conversation. You'll get a little bit of Raptors knowledge in this one, a little bit of Jays knowledge in this one, and of course, I dropped some fire Leafs knowledge in this one. So be sure uh, to uh, to stay tuned through the whole time and uh, really enjoy the, sh- the, the podcast because it was a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. You know, Sean Woodley, a Lockdown Raptors, insanely knowledgeable guy. AJ Andrews, uh, one of the best uh, Blue Jays people we possibly could have gotten uh, to, to represent Locked On uh, for the Locked On Jays. So it's a really, really, really neat and fun, cool conversation uh, regarding Toronto sports and the scene of what will be happening over the next little bit. So uh, I'm going to throw to that right now and uh, hope you guys enjoy. Hey, it's Sean Woodley here from Locked On Raptors, and I'm joined for a Toronto sports roundtable with the other Locked On Toronto sports team hosts. Uh, first up, AJ Andrews from Locked On Blue Jays. AJ, how are you? I'm all right, although I find it, you know, funny that for Toronto baseball, you turn to the person the furthest east possible from toronto <laughs> that's okay you don't need to be in toronto to understand to, to be a, a wonderful intelligent voice on the team which you are I'm, I'm just saying that if they're expecting a conversation about problems on young street i'm not <laughs> going to be able to answer those questions we yeah we need hard traffic uh hot traffic takes in toronto we need your thoughts on light rail versus subways we need your thoughts <laughs> on the king street pilot project we're already getting very Toronto on this podcast. Someone who is in Toronto uh, and works for TSN 1050 uh, and hosts the Locked On Leafs podcast is Mike DiStefano. He's also on the call. Mike, what's up, buddy? I'm doing well. I can tell you and I can handle all the King Street pilot questions. I've been uh, living on King Street for three years now. I know very well what the pilot's all about and uh, how frustrating it is trying to drive home when you got to try and drive down King Street and take a left or a right literally <laughs> at every single stop. So we do want to get into that conversation a little later. I got it covered. Excellent. Only uh, if you give me time for the ferry project that's going out to Bedford. Yeah, I'm personally going to drop some uh, words on the King Street uh, LRT in Hamilton. Uh, perhaps some thoughts on the uh, on the sort of disparity of the upper mountain and the lower part of the city and how it's very hard to get from one place to another. Uh, we'll get to traffic maybe later on, although I guess that wouldn't really be Toronto. It would be Hamilton, Toronto, and Halifax Roundtable, which is fine. Um, what we wanted to do on today's show is with sports coming back, the Blue Jays get kicked off uh, in just about a week for regular season games. I think they play a couple preseason games as well, AJ, against the Red Sox this weekend, correct? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. That is correct. So with that coming up, with the Maple Leafs coming back and uh, being the host team in the Hub City in Toronto, uh, as well as the Toronto Raptors getting set to return on August 1st against the LA Lakers, we figured why not bring our minds together to talk about the Toronto sports teams and kind of where they're at, what the uh, situations are for, for each of them kind of going into these restarts or shortened seasons in the case of baseball has not yet started. Uh, it's been a long, long preseason for baseball. So let's start there, AJ. The Blue Jays are rebuilding or sort of moving from rebuilding into being sort of a pseudo playoff intentioned team, maybe not good enough to make the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they brought up a lot of their great talent last year in Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, and they, of course, will be playing their games in Toronto after uh, much debate and conversation about where they were going to play, whether it was Dunedin, whether it was Toronto, whether it was going to be Buffalo, just thrusting a baseball season onto a city that does not have a baseball team and probably didn't want it so much. Um, AJ, the Blue Jays are exciting. They're a team I'm thrilled to watch. I mean, they had a split squad game. This, there are a couple split squad games this week that I watched and was enthralled, uh, <laughs> even though they were, uh, you know, the, 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 the rules in place allowed for Jacob Waggis pack to just call an inning over after he got his tits lit a little bit by <laughs> Reese McGuire. And he was able to just say, Nope, I'm done. Get me out of here. Uh, but even then I was very excited for the blue Jays. So uh, AJ, what's up with the blue Jays? Where are they at heading into this season? And uh, what should Toronto sports fans be expecting from our beloved boys in blue? Well, I can say for one thing that they should not be challenging the Orioles for last place <laughs> like they did last year. Only by the grace of a truly disgusting team were they spared the bottom of the AL East. But um, there's reasonable cause for optimism with the Blue Jays. Um, like you said, you do get full years from Vladdy Jr. and Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio this season. Um, the signing of Hyunjin Ryu, as well as Tanner Roark, and um, the acquisition of Chase Anderson should hopefully stabilize a rotation that had to rely way, way too many times on the likes of Edwin Jackson and <laughs> Ryan Furibend and just other random cast-offs that they could pluck from AAA. So that should lead to improvement. Um, I... I, they can make a playoff push if things go right, but honestly, I wouldn't be expecting it. 500 is more the goal this year, mm -hmm. which they can do, and they're probably going to be using most of the year to assess the outfield situation and figure out how they're going to move forward, hopefully with filling that uh, right field slot just while they wait for uh, Austin Martin to get acclimatized and be ready to contribute at a major league level, be it at center field or at third base, because... Mm -hmm. Vlad Jr.'s move over to first kind of opens that up and Travis Shaw's only on a one-year deal. So there, there are a lot of moving pieces for the Blue Jays to consider as they look towards uh, contending in hopefully 2021. And yeah, this is going to be a weird experimental year. Um, the biggest question probably will be, will Nate Pearson be a part of it? Because mm -hmm. he threw batting practice yesterday and he struck out six of the 11 batters he faced. <laughs> on some filthy pitches. Teoscar Hernandez just looked bemused when he struck out. Like, ah, oh, oh, Nate Pearson's, oh, uh, so good. Yeah, I, the, the, the giddiness in your voice is also what I'm feeling about uh, the beef castle who is Nate Pearson. I, I just, uh, I can't wait 
to watch that dude. It, it's so it's it's likely that he's going to be held down at least for the first week of the season because baseball is stupid and service time manipulation exists even in a sixty game season. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems to be the plan. Yeah, very cool. Gotta love how baseball works. But uh, excited oh, yeah. that we don't have to wait two months to have him come up. I suppose five days is yeah. It's- not so much <laughs> in the um in the sim season i waited until may because like well that's what the blue jays are gonna do i waited until may <laughs> and then he got injured in his first start so i had to wait until like may 31st to actually get the full Nate pearson experience but oh it's so good yeah uh um, it, yeah sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say the the other thing i learned is that toronto's bullpen will be frustrating so <laughs> i um I know, I know there have been a lot of talks about Rafael Delis looking really good and Jordan Romano potentially challenging for a late inning spot, which I hope they do because Anthony Bass was kind of disappointing. I hope he does not live up to what I saw out of him. But also the bullpen's probably the easiest thing to fix if you're, mm-hmm. if you're really in contention. I mean, um, Tim Hill got dealt yesterday from the Royals, so obviously he's not an option anymore. Um, now with the Padres, but there there are things that the Blue Jays can do to work on that as opposed to just, you know, kind of dumpster diving the way they have been. And of course, mm-hmm. we with with guys like Shun Yamaguchi in there too, there are a lot, it's, it's a very versatile team that the Blue Jays have with a lot of pieces that can be kind of shuffled around and, and seen where they fit. And I think that's going to be the theme of 2020. Yeah, I like the, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Oh, well, I was just kind of wanted to jump off that point yeah. because there's been also a lot of talk about Ken Giles and his contract negotiations and whether or not, you know, he's going to be a, a guy who you sign and lock up as a long-term piece to kind of be the back-end closer for that bullpen. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And, and do you think ultimately he does re-sign here in Toronto or does he become a trade chip come uh, sign him. the end of August? <laughs> sign him now. Well, there's sign a difference between long-term. wanting to sign him, but do you think the Blue Jays will I, or do you think they'll go the I, trade route? If Mark Shapiro is smart, and this is this is why I didn't really understand the big push to to move him last year. I think the the injury to Giles's elbow was a blessing in disguise because he's still young. Like it's not like he's on the back end of his career yet. Um, if you sign Giles like a three four year deal, you're still getting his prime years. Um, now, I, I know baseball is a little more fickle than, say, hockey or basketball, where you can't really project um, how well speed will hold up. And Giles' big thing is his speed. He, he plays his slider off his fastball. So he needs to have the threat of 100 miles an hour to make the slider really devastating. But he's shown such uh, a renewed confidence in himself in Toronto. Um, last year was, like, one of the best reliever seasons I think any Blue Jays uh, pitcher has ever put up mm-hmm. just just his ability to keep runners off the base pass which is a problem for a fair amount of pitchers on this team is <laughs> is being able to deliver strikeouts when necessary um and he's already proving that you know despite the reputation he carried from houston when you know he was the guy who punched himself in the face on the field yeah and He's he's emerged as kind of a leader in that bullpen, which is something very necessary given just the overall lack of experience back there. There's not a Sung Wano, there's not a Tyler Clifford, not a John Oxford that can really be that kind of veteran uh, mentor to mm-hmm. a lot of these guys. I mean, Dolis is just coming back from 
overseas. Yamaguchi's coming back from overseas. Anthony Bass is out a couple of years. Giles is, is the mentor back there. And the comments he's made in public about, you know, wanting to set a good example, um, making sure that uh, the protocols are being taken seriously. This is a guy who has, who sounds like he has matured and become a leader. And that's, that's really valuable to have to a bullpen that, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get out of. And Giles is as reliable as you can get right now. So I have no idea why there haven't been more long-term discussions with Giles. Like I said, a three or four year deal averaging about $10 million per that is totally value for him. I think that's what Will Smith got in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So that's perfectly on par with someone of his talent. And I do not know why that has not been extended yet. I, there, there's no reason to trade ships anymore. Austin Martin's your last piece. Lock up the guys you have that know. I mean, Randall Gritchuk got a five-year deal. <laughs> and you're telling me Ken Giles can't even get three or four. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think Giles is a guy who I personally would want them to lock up long-term and kind of solidify that bullpen. And then from there, you kind of look for your eighth-inning guy, your seventh-inning guy, and who knows? Maybe they do have that guy in the lineup right now, whether it's Romano or you know Dolise could turn out to be that player, or they do end up signing somebody. Keep in mind, you know, last year they signed some guys right at the end of camp, and they turned out to be pretty good trade chips too. So that happens quite often. The other question mark that I think uh, is surrounding the Blue Jays right now is the outfield. They didn't really do much over the offseason to improve it either. Going in, they're going to be going with Teoscar Hernandez in center. Uh, well, I guess center field is kind of going to be a bit of a, a bit of a battle within camp, and then Gurriel and Grichik. Um, do you like the way that the outfield is shaping up or do you think that that's still going to be a weakness and something that's going to need to be addressed going forward? I, um, when I, when I looked at the roster this season, I, I figured out pretty quickly that this was, you know, as we said, this is going to be an experimental year to try and figure out who's going to be a contributor going forward. I mean, if you, if you were building a contender right now, Derek Fisher nor Teoscar Hernandez are guys you want as your starting right fielder. They may be able to prove something this year. I have little faith in Derek Fisher to be able to do so, but it's possible maybe he figures something out and can actually bat above 200. But that that seemed to be the theme of this year. And and for guys who you know are. Um, Anthony Alford's out of options, so he has to, you know, put up or shut up whether he can actually be a major league outfielder as opposed to just a quad A guy. Um, you have Jonathan Davis, um, who's been pushing him and who's been been looking spectacular defensively. Um, but uh, with the drafting of Austin Martin, the Blue Jays can afford to take their time, knowing that they have a guy who they can probably plug into center field and then move. Grichik over to right where his arm is more effective and then you know if neither Fisher or Hernandez turn out to be what the Blue Jays need then they can just cut ties and be all right we tried didn't work let's go with with Martin and and Grichik and and for the record I got like in my brief time as head honcho of the Blue Jays I got so freaking frustrated with Derek (laughs) Fisher and his strikeouts that I traded him to Oakland in May (laughs) <laughs> Just, and he promptly tore his UCL. So 
<laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, you've been doing a simulation on Lockdown Blue Jays all uh, all pause long, and I everyone should definitely go check that out. And yeah, I mean, just a note on the Ken Giles thing and just all of this. I mean, it does feel as though you know the the way the team is trending. This is kind of a team that is now trying to come out of its dark ages and you know, signing good players you have on the roster for longer term deals seems like to make a lot of sense. And, you know, it would li- line up with signing Hyunjin Ryu, for example, which was, uh, I think, a wonderful signing and a good sign that they're ready to sort of become contenders and, you know, move towards that at least over the next couple of years. Uh, so everyone make sure you're checking out Lockdown Blue Jays as AJ uh, covers all of that. A team that was uh, kind of in the position the Jays are in like four or five years ago and is now kind of in a bit of a... I don't want to say they're in like a stagnant phase because they're not. There's, they've run into some tough times in the playoffs and whatnot uh, against some very good teams. And, you know, I think had the bracket not been stupid because the NHL's playoff format is broken, uh, maybe they go further, is the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course. Mike, you cover them wonderfully on Locked on Leafs. And uh, it's kind of the same question I threw to AJ at the start. What's the deal with the Leafs? Where do they sit coming into the restart? They take on the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, starting next or two weeks from now, I suppose, in the qualifying round to try to make it into the actual playoffs proper. Although I guess they've officially said that the qualifying rounds are now the playoffs because that was, of course, a thing the NHL was, for some reason, making into a big deal because the NHL loves to do things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Mike, where are the Leafs at right now? What are your expectations of them and sort of what what should people be looking for as their season gets going? Yeah, so I think the the Leafs are in a pretty good position right now. I think they'll be going into uh, into the playoffs against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are technically a lower seed than them. So uh, they'll quite literally have home ice advantage, but also are considered the home team um, going into it. But I I, I don't think it's going to be as much as a, as a walk in the park as some people think it'll be because Columbus is a very well coached team, and I think that. Uh, John Tortorella will have his guys ready to go to play the Leafs. Like they're just going to be suffocating and take away all the space needed for the Leafs to be the superstars that we know they can be when they have the time to do so. So I I think that it's going to be uh, a big, this series coming up against Columbus is going to be hugely dependent on, um, it's going to be dependent on coaching and then also goaltending. I think goaltending is going to be huge. Whether or not Freddie Anderson, who historically gets off to a pretty slow start to begin the season. And, I mean, you take a look at the amount of time since the pause. It's basically – it's been a full off season, And he has a history of starting off slow. So is he going to continue that trend or is he going to buck the trend and have a pretty solid start and, and ride it all the way through the playoffs. That's going to be important for this team. That's one of my burning questions that I have. And yesterday I talked about on my show, I had three burning questions and that was one of them. So um, I think that's going to be something uh, as well. And I just think that at the end of the day, I do like the way that it sets up for the Leafs. I have them winning this five game series as far as where the expectations are. Look at the beginning of the year. I think this team, you looked at them and like you alluded to, the playoff format kind of stinks and, and it does make it difficult because the Leafs may be a top five team in the league, but in order to even make it through to the first or second round, usually you're going to have to go through Boston or Tampa, who all well, they happen to be one of the top three teams in the league. So it's, it is kind of tough when you say, okay, we should, we got to make it through to the first one. And now I'm looking and it's like, 
okay, we have a chance to make it through to the first round and not have to play that team. So when you talk about expectations, I think the expectations are to get to the second or third round of the playoffs this season because this is a year where they have an opportunity to kind of avoid those two teams depending on how things end up shaking out. So, But at the end of the day, after three years of first-round eliminations, they got to win the opening round first and foremost to get through, and then they got to try and win that first round or else there's going to be some question marks going forward about this team, whether or not they can get it done. I, I did want to ask you about that, Mike, because like I know Columbus is a much tougher route now than they would be they would have been in April because they get Seth Jones back. But what if Toronto lost? And you know, obviously there would be some hand wringing, like, oh no, we can't even beat Columbus now. But what what if you know? Um, the second NHL draft lottery goes on <laughs> and you start playing the NWO music as Toronto is announced to be the victor and you add Alexis Lafreniere <laughs> to, to that and then maybe trade um, Willie Nylander for a defenseman or something. Don't yeah. how if, if Toronto, like, I mean, they have a one in eight shot anyway. Um, if Toronto did that, do you think the fans would be happier with that as opposed to a potential second round loss to Boston or Tampa again? Or would, would the sheer volume of hatred from the rest of the country just laser focused on the Maple Leafs outweigh the, the gain of having Lafreniere for, for the foreseeable future? So that's, that's kind of a tricky question only because I think any team would benefit from having Lafreniere on their squad. That being said, I think that the, the Leafs are in a fortunate position where they're actually like uber talented up front where the addition of a Lafreniere doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily put them up a tier into a conversation as, as Stanley Cup champions. They're kind of already approaching that tier themselves. So I think that although it would certainly be welcomed for them if they were to lose, you know, you kind of have a decent little side prize of, of a chance to win the number one overall pick. And I think the anger and frustration will be very short lived. If we end if the Leafs ended up winning that pick, that being said, I think a, a true Leafs fan should want the team to, to go far into the playoffs. So if you're, you're asking, what would you rather do lose and have a chance at number one overall or win and try and move on and try and pr- go for a Stanley cup. I think any fan has to say you would much rather go for that cup. Although it's, it's the fun thing to say like, Oh, let's lose and go for the number one pick just because it's, it's, it's fun to say at the end of the day, celebrating a championship is a lot more fun. Sean, you know, very well how fun it is going on a championship <laughs> run. Yeah, yeah. So I with lockdown Leafs would love to have that similar success and all of Leafs nation would love to have that similar success. So I, I, I would rather, go forward and just kind of think about it. Okay. I want to win, but if we lose, there is a decent little consolation prize, but I would prefer to try and make it as far as we can in the playoffs. It would be extremely Maple Leafs to win the Stanley cup in like the one playoffs where people are like, there's going to be an asterisk if someone wins this thing. <laughs> oh, and you uh, can't have a parade. We've been yeah, planning the parade too. down young street for 60 years. And they, you can't even do it. After seeing what happened with the Raptors, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a – I mean, that was a really fun day. I would never trade that in for anything aside from the unfortunate uh, incident that took place uh, kind of around the climax of it all. And, and, you know, it was – 
that day kicked ass. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't lie. I had a wonderful time. I uh, had many beverages while I was waltzing around downtown and baking in the heat. It was, uh, it was a pretty damn good time. Uh, on that note, we should get into the Raptors, I suppose. Um, I, you know, I was just about to ask you, yeah, how you what do you about got? the Raptors chances? I mean, um, just listening to pundits across the continent, they seem to be rather bullish on the Raptors chances going into this bubble just because of, you know, the cohesiveness of the team and the coaching of Nick Nurse. Just mm-hmm. they, they all seem to be breaking uh, the Raptors way. Um, especially when you look at the Lakers uh, losing Avery Bradley, potentially losing Rajon Rondo, and then Milwaukee um, still still needing to prove itself and being un- uncertain. I mean, Giannis didn't have a court to practice on during quarantine. Mm-hmm. So um, how much more confident are you feeling about the Raptors' chances of repeating now as opposed to maybe when when the uh, when the pandemic started? Yeah, like I still think the Bucks are the favorite. And actually, it's funny. Locked on Raptors has a running bit where we uh, like to credit Eric Bledsoe for his work in getting the Raptors a title, considering he disappeared <laughs> like a pumpkin in the Eastern Finals. And he actually tested positive uh, for COVID-19 and is not yet in Orlando. He should be there soon, I would assume. I think he tested positive quite a while ago. Hope he's okay and everything. Hope he was asymptomatic and all is good there. But, um, you know, that that's a fun little joke that I think, uh, you know, in less heavy times we would definitely be leaning in on and oh the Bucks chances are much better now if Eric Bledsoe is not available um <laughs> but you know I, I still think the Bucks are the favorites Giannis is the best player basketball often comes down to who has the best player unfortunately uh, or fortunately if you have Kawhi Leonard on your team <laughs> and so I, I think I still think the Raptors are extremely good and they're still my favorites to make it to the conference finals and give the Bucks at least a series and they do have the blueprint right they have they, they, they have the defensive horses. Yes, they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, but they do have OG Ananobi, who I think if you compared Kawhi's defense last season in the regular season to OG's defense, it's not even close. Like OG's been the better defender than Kawhi was last year, uh, despite Kawhi making it to an all-defense de- all team. Um, you know, playoffs was obviously different, and Kawhi, you know, stepped up and, and guarded Giannis in the Eastern Finals, and that was the thing that changed the series. But OG has been always pretty good at at least giving Giannis a hard time. They have Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam, all bodies they can throw at Giannis. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, even if they want to throw him in just to you know annoy him a little bit and fall down at his ankles once in a while, because that is Rondé <laughs> Hollis Jefferson's whole bag. It's just falling down with style. He is Buzz Lightyear. Um, you know, it's it, it's. Look, I, I, the nice thing about this season is that even though I don't think the Raptors necessarily have a great chance of winning it all, even if they don't, they've defended their seat, their title so nobly with their 46 and 18 regular season record and the fact that, you know, despite an incredible run of injuries where everyone on the team except for OG Ananobi and Terrence Davis, an undrafted rookie uh, who played all, 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 all 64 games or whatever it was for the team. Outside of those two, everyone missed an extended period of time at some point or another. Marcus Gasol missed two stretches. Norm Powell missed a couple long stretches as well. And they still managed to just rattle off wins and destroy teams over the course of the entire season. And so having their entire rotation together, I've, I'm sure you've both seen the pictures of skinny Marcus Gasol, uh, the, 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 
the, the sort of word on him is that he looks as good as he has in years and he's kind of recovered from his summer of drinking rosé and winning gold medals for Spain and not really <laughs> getting any chance to rest. And so I, I think they stand out a really good chance. The second round will be a, a tough hurdle because the Boston Celtics are also very, very good. Uh, you can listen to yesterday's Lockdown Raptors, actually, as we talked about the Celtics um, at, at length with Michael Pina of, uh, of many, many outlets. He's wonderful. Um, so go check that out. But yeah, it, it was a wonderful season. It will be a wonderful season no matter how this thing ends. And, you know, the future is certainly murky because we don't know a what Giannis is going to do in the offseason he is very much the apple of Toronto's eye in the summer of 2021 and you know their kind of future is going to be planned around what he does I think and so we can't really say what this season means for the future of the team I'm just glad you know as much as I am pretty like skeptical and I, I think it's maybe not the greatest idea to be doing this basketball tournament in the global epicenter of the pandemic uh, I think the fact that the Raptors get a chance to finish the, this thing out and sort of put a cap on this season, whatever that cap ends up looking like, it is a really nice thing that Raptors fans are going to get to see that. And so that's kind of my, my read on it. They're, they're very good. They're not as good as the Bucks, but you know, things can happen. It's going to be a weird, bizarre tournament where guys might fall ill and that's horrible, but that could change the complexion of things. And, you know, hopefully they cancel it if too many guys get sick, but um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with the Raptors right now. I think one of the questions also and going forward too for the Raptors, at least in my opinion, is like this is kind of a – I don't want to say it's a last hoorah with this group, but you have they have a lot of contracts coming up at yeah. the end of the season, right? Like Ibaka is going to be due, Gasol's going to be due, Van Vliet's going to be due. Like they have a lot of guys who are going to need to get signed if they want to try and, and go for you know another kick at the can over the next couple of seasons and kind of keep this group together. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Are they going to stick around together? Do you think that they'll end up getting re-signed or do you think that this is kind of their, all right, boys, let's, let's get it going because this is probably the last time that this – team specifically led by Lowry and Ibaka and Gasol and Van Vliet are all going to be together. Yeah, I think if, you know, I've kind of gotten past the point of needing to maximize the odds of winning a championship in the next couple of years just because they have one already and I'm cool if they just kind of run back guys that I like rooting for, which is what they have right now. <laughs> so if like if you gave me the option, I would pay Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol for another year or two just to keep them around. Um, Fred Van Vliet's a super interesting one too because he's going to be one of the best free agents on the market this year in a pretty depressed market but the Raptors also if they have designs on Giannis you know, he fits perfectly as a point guard on a Giannis team. And that's something I think you have to consider. And, you know, he fits perfectly with anybody. He's a great ball handler. He's a great off-ball threat. Like, he kind of works with anybody. And so I think he's proven this season that he's worth whatever he's going to get, um, whether it's like $20 million a year, whatever it is. I think I'm pretty comfortable paying Fred whatever he's going to get. Um, and then you have Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi that are also kind of those linchpins going forward, along with Terrence Davis, Norm Powell. Um, so regardless of what happens... I think the team is set up pretty well. But yeah, there, there is that sort of sense of finality a little bit when it comes to Gasol and Ibaka in particular because I don't think both will be back next season. I hope they are. I, th I think one might be back, but I don't know which one. I think the playoffs will kind of tell that. Um, you know, Ibaka is a little bit younger and, you know, he has had a really, really great season. One of his best ever and is probably going to get paid this offseason, whereas Gasol is 36 years old and he's kind of near the end. But at the same time, he kind of is the captain of the defense still. He's a new um, man, though. He is a new man. He's yeah, new he's man. looking 33, baby. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, a... <laughs> I, I would hope that they keep him around uh, and, you know, just kind of have him 
be their their sort of back line for the next little while. But yeah, I think that's another big reason why I'm excited the season is actually happening, at least in the Raptors context, because we do get to see the last hoorah for these guys. And, you know, if it is the end, man, was it a run. It was just so, so fun. And this team deserves to have a proper, you know, farewell if that's what this is going to be. Quickly, one last question I got here just before we wrap things up. But, um, you know, heading into this this weird 22-team format, finishing up the regular season, it's a different than what the NHL decided to do. So I'm curious to get your thoughts. Yeah. You know, playoff seeding is going to be up for grabs. The Raptors currently holding, I believe, a three-game advantage over Boston. Uh, the Raptors, though, with a pretty tough schedule down the stretch comparatively to the Celtics, does that worry you at all? Or do you think that they should be good to go and should still end up uh, claiming the number two seed in the East. Yeah, I mean, the seeding doesn't matter as much when there's no home court on the line. Like, the, I think very much you could have said 2-3 Boston-Toronto. Like, that will decide who wins that series, and whoever has home court for Game 7 will win it. Um, it's less important now. I mean, the sixth seed could be Philly or Indiana, or will be Philly or Indiana, and that's a tough matchup, tougher than the Magic, or, or like the Shadow Nets, uh, and the weird team they're sending <laughs> down there. But, um, yeah, I think the seeding is not terribly important. I think they'd like to hold on to number two, and I think they will because as much as Boston's schedule is easier on paper, they play a bunch of teams that are going to be fighting for eight seeds and play in tournaments and things like that, whereas the Raptors play the Lakers and the Bucks and a lot of teams that just might not really care all that much in this lead-up, and they might be taking it kind of easy. So on paper, the Raptors' schedule is more difficult, but in reality, I'm not sure it's all that daunting. So I think... Yeah, the, the seating is, is what it is. I think they'll be careful with Gasol and Lowry and Ibaka and sort of ramp them up slowly as to not pull any hammies or anything like that. And it'll be – like, I, I think this team will come together pretty quickly as well because they are so smart. They do have great chemistry. Their defense is kind of what they rely on, and that's such a well-oiled machine at this point that I'm not too worried about that. Um, AJ, did you have uh, any Raptor stuff you wanted to throw my way? Um, well, I basically threw out my piece at the beginning. I was, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say. I mean, when I play the Lakers, I mean, there is a thirty-three percent chance that J.R. Smith will forget the time again <laughs> and just give the Raptors a win that way. So that'll help in seeding. But that would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I especially like what you said about Philadelphia and trying to avoid them because, like. Mm-hmm. Like if they if they want to go through with this and they're taking Ben Simmons off off the perimeter and putting him inside as the power forward and letting Shake Milton um, essentially run the offense, that could result in a much more dangerous Philadelphia team that would actually have the ability to match up if they if they go double with um, with Gasol and Ibaka or Gasol and and Siakam inside. Mm-hmm. That all of a sudden becomes a much more dangerous matchup and um you know, that wasn't going to be a problem if he had to face Philadelphia before. So I think they'd much rather get an Indiana team that doesn't know if Victor Oladipo is going to be playing or not. So I I agree that it's going to be very, very important to actually hold on to that second seed. I think they can. I don't think Boston can make up three three games in eight contests. Mm-hmm. But I um, I I do kind of grieve you. And, and I think, yeah, it it's going to be either Gasol or Ibaka who goes in the off season to make sure Fred gets paid because yeah. they're, they're not losing uh, Freddie V. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's uh, he's top priority at this point, and uh, as he should be, he's the best. Um, all right, we have a couple minutes left. Let's uh, go around the horn and make official hard and fast predictions for what each of Toronto's teams are going to do this season. We didn't really get a chance to talk all that much about the hub cities or the fact that the Jays are playing in Toronto uh, and inviting all these other teams to play <laughs> we, to Canada to play as quote unquote essential workers. Do we want to talk about Edmonton flooding its own stadium or what? Oh, that is a whole other. <laughs> check out Locked on Oilers with Tom Gazzola for that. Uh, you will have the full update on the hub city underwater out in Edmonton. Uh, we may have to do another one of these round tables to, to kind of get a feel of what the hub cities are looking like. But uh, quick, let's go around the horn. Quick prediction of what each of these teams is going to do. Why don't, why don't we all predict for each three teams? So, okay, let's start with the Blue Jays. AJ, you go first on the Jays. I think the Blue Jays are going to be above 500, but I, I think they will challenge for one of those, um, like, wildcard spots. Um, I, I think this is going to be a building base for 2021 when they're serious contenders, but I'm predicting about other... – I'm going to say 32 and 28. I'm going to give them a little more credit than some of the other pundits who are like 28 wins for them. I think they got 32 in them. I think Mike? Shoemaker comes back and makes the difference. Oh, I love Matt Shoemaker. Mike, what do you got for the Jays? I wouldn't say I'm as optimistic as AJ is on this one. I'm looking and I'm seeing a 27-33 team. They just got such a tough schedule, like having to play the NL East. You know, they've got, first of all, the AL East is the toughest league in in baseball so you got to play the Yankees or the Red Sox and the Rays and then you also got to go and play the uh, NL East where you got to play the Braves and and the the, the Nationals and it's just going to be such a tough tough series and such a tough season in, in just 60 games so you know if they can knock off 27 wins I think they might be able to get to 500 but uh, I don't think they go over 500 but I'm gonna go 27 33. I am gonna lean into it and say 36 and 24, second Whoa. wild card. Wow. Nate Pearson, top five Cy Young. Bo Bichette hits 20 <laughs> home runs in 60 games. Uh, and we're talking about playoff baseball, literally in Toronto. Uh, or you know, I guess no, they won't be in Toronto. They'll be the road game for the road team for the wild card if they're the second wild card. But it's 60 games. It's weird. Random stuff's going to happen. I'm, I'm feeling yeah. a, a good Jays team. I, I was going to say, I'm, I, no offense, Mike, I think you're giving some of those NL East teams a little more credit. I mean, Washington's <laughs> missing contributors. Atlanta's got Freddie Freeman in a hospital bed. The Mets have already lost one starter, might have lost another. So you're saying that Rick Porcello is going to win vital games for them. It's it's a little easier road for the NL. And, and the Red Sox are down because they traded the best player in the division for practically nothing. So <laughs> I... Uh, I do, I do think it's a little easier road than you give them credit for. And, and then, of course, the Orioles. That's like guaranteed victories there. Oh, Marlins, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, 36 and 24, it's happening. Uh, quickly, Mike, uh, prediction for the Leafs. Stanley Cup or bust. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I will say uh, they beat the, the Jackets. It's wonderful. They get, they get through. Uh, then they don't get Boston. They get whoever the worst we perceive to be of the four teams. I guess maybe like Philly. They get Philly in the round robin. They, they get after the round robin tournament for the top seeds, and they lose to Philly in seven games in a very nightmarish fashion. AJ, what do you got? Okay, that worries me because then that means Pittsburgh has a legit shot at the number one seed if they're uh, facing Philly. Oh so that God, scares yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I, I think Columbus doesn't have the firepower to take advantage of Toronto's defense. So unfortunately, no Lafreniere for you. I think they eliminate Columbus in four games. Mm-hmm. 
and then go on and lose to Boston in four, Gotta sparing you the heartbreak <laughs> of a game seven loss. Uh, and lastly, Raptors. I've got the Raptors going out in six games in the conference finals to the Bucks, very nobly, uh, and everyone's quite happy and uh, good, good vibes and good feelings after that happens. AJ, what do you got? I think they win. Ooh, I'll take it. Like it. I think they beat. I think they beat the Lakers in six. I think LeBron gets too tired. He has to carry that team, and Anthony Davis is at that level for the first time. I don't. I don't think the Bucks can get out of their own way enough. And <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give them back to back. Two straight rings for Eric Bledsoe. Gotta love it. Uh, Mike, what do you got for the Raptors? I'm gonna go in between you guys. I think they beat the Bucks in the conference final, but then lose to the Lakers in the final. Uh, they just haven't been able to beat LeBron. I don't think that's going to change. So I think uh, they'll make another finals appearance this season and unfortunately run into the juggernaut of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And LeBron's going to bring a title to L.A. You know what? This Again. was a very happy Good Vibes podcast until that. And now I'm uh, feeling quite sad. J.R. <laughs> Smith in crunch time. Just remember that. <laughs> I mean, All they right. still won a couple titles with him. So. Oh, man. Uh, all right. This was wonderful, you two. Thank you so much for uh, being on the, the roundtable with me. Uh, this was great. Uh, everyone, make sure you're checking out Locked on Blue Jays, Locked on Raptors, Locked on Leafs. And uh, get all your Toronto sports news updates every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, AJ, Mike, this was lovely. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds Sounds good. good. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. And like I said, it's cup or bust. Not really, but it it was fun to say. But I do really do believe that the Leafs have a pretty good shot at potentially going, I think they're going to end up winning against Columbus. And then if they could stay away from Boston or Washington, I do like their chances up against Philly a lot if they're lucky enough to get Philly. And then if they end up getting Tampa, I also like it because if you recall, about what a week or two or so before COVID hit, they played Tampa and were great. You know, they played really, really well against them and ended up getting a win. So um, they've also suffered, you know, a big loss. I believe they lost like 7-3 the first like week or two into the season. So it's been kind of a tipsy, topsy-turny type series that all all season long between Tampa and Toronto. But I think it would be a really fun series to watch. Again, just trying to avoid Boston at all cause because I think the Leafs just need to win a round. And not just the qualifying round, but win the first round of the playoffs just to give them that little edge and just to give them, you know, the the satisfaction of getting over the hump of, of being limited in the first round, you know. So I think it's going to be really important and we'll see who they end up getting. You know, we're, we're just a couple of weeks away from hockey now. Like it's it's really getting there. What's today? The 17th, um, August 1st or isn't too. How many days are in July? 31. Okay. So (laughs) literally two weeks from today uh, is going to be the final day. And then tomorrow, Saturday, two weeks tomorrow, we get our first playoff game. Sunday, two weeks Sunday is going to be the Leafs' first game. But two weeks tomorrow until we get the qualifying round opens up and we actually get to see real hockey. There'll be a couple of games before that, exhibitioners. But we're going to get to see real playoff hockey within two weeks of tomorrow. 
I can't wait. I'm super excited. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Um, thank you for uh, listening to the podcast and sticking around here. Uh, you can subscribe to Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where me and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the NHL. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.